Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Amy Gannett, thank you for joining me on the Women Encouraged podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here today. I am so thrilled to be here. This has been fun already for me. Oh, good. Well, I've told people over and over and over about how much we love Tiny Theologians products. I use it in my circle time with my kids. That's probably the most requested thing. Even at family worship, my kids are always bugging my husband, like, let's get out the, you know, the ABCs of theology cards or whatever. And like, we just do one a day or something like that. And and they just love it so much. That's so great. Um, the product we put together is such a gift for discipling our kids, but we're here to talk about discipleship as a general concept. And I don't know if we'll get into all the ins and outs of discipling children, but I think today we're probably going to be primarily talking about discipleship between women who are peers, women in the local church, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm so excited to have you here. You also have a course. So I want to know, would you introduce yourself, share a bit about your story, your testimony, the work you're doing, and the discipleship course that you've got going on right now? Yeah, I'm happy to. So um, I I came to faith early in life when I was really young. I was raised in a believing home. Um, I still remember Um, where I was on my parents' old gray couch when I gave my life to Christ um, because he pursued me. He convicted me of of my sin and um, through my parents presented the truth of the gospel. And so um, I gave him all the, you know, three-year-old faith that I had. And the Lord has just continued to grow um, my faith and foster that Um, story of his salvation in my life. So when I was in through middle school and high school, I really developed um, a habit of studying the word because I saw my parents faithfully studying the word. And I watched my parents faithfully engage in local church ministry, um, participating in small groups and hosting. And I just watched them live a life of faith. And as I approached um, the time to make a decision about what I wanted to do in college, I knew that church and ministry and Bible study would always be a part of my life. Um, but because my parents did it as really faithful lay persons in the church, just meaning they weren't on staff, they weren't doing ministry because they were vocationally um, in ministry, they weren't getting paid for it. Um, I just assumed that it was something that everybody did on the side. You know, I just sort of had this assumption that ministry was something that everybody did, you know, after their nine to five job or, um, right. you know, whatever. And so I remember where I was when my dad told me about Bible school and I was so ecstatic. It was like everything I had ever wanted to do. Um, and I give my parents a lot of credit because um, I grew up not knowing that pastors um, could do that vocationally. I had no idea that churches supported people in ministry, but then all of a sudden here I was at 18 trying to decide what to study. And I thought, if I can teach women the Bible and if I can just pay my light bill, that would just be the dream. And so I yeah. found out about Moody Bible Institute and I initially start enrolled as a women's ministry major and I ended up changing my major to biblical exposition, which is Bible teaching. 
and I was a double major in biblical studies, and I kept a minor in women's ministry. Um, and so when I graduated from college, I knew that I just wasn't done learning, and so I wanted to pursue seminary. And um, I loved my time in seminary. I got my Master's of Divinity at Gordon-Conwell. And okay. the Lord just has grown my faith as I studied his word. And I think that is actually a lot of what the conversation of discipleship looks like. How do we learn from yeah. others and how do we learn from the word and grow up in Christ as a result? So um, so the Lord has put me and my husband in a position to do ministry in a couple of different ways. Our life um, has never looked exactly like we expect. We walk into new seasons and we think we know exactly where this is going to look like. And of course it doesn't look that way because the Lord no. always has better plans. Um, yeah. But we are... Um, in a season of life and ministry that we are so thankful for and so ecstatic about. We are church planters in eastern North Carolina. We're planting a church called Trinity Church Greenville in Greenville, North Carolina. And we are just about four months into the process. So as I talk to you, I'm sitting into the house that we just moved into, which feels like such a gift. We are first-time homeowners, which is so fun. Um, those wow. who are first-time homeowners know it's just like you know, I'm like, oh, I, I've never owned, you know, a faucet before, you know, or at least like 20% of a faucet. Like I don't own the whole thing, but you know, <laughs> I've never like had to rake my own leaves, but we like raked leaves today and we were like, oh, these are our leaves. You know, it just feels so exciting. That's great. Uh, but we just moved into the town where we're planting and so it feels very missional and very exciting to us. Um, so we're church planters. I'm a Bible teacher. So I teach um, several Bible conferences a year. I teach on theology and I teach um, expositionally, which just means verse by verse teaching. And then I run Tiny Theologians, which is, I create discipleship resources for kids, which you mentioned so kindly. Um, it's just such a joy for me, um, those little ones getting to learn all about Jesus and um, who he is in his word. Um, but then, so I also teach Bible studies for adults and I teach theological and ex exegetical Bible studies, which again, just means verse by verse and have loved doing that. And then I really was burdened to help other people learn how to do discipleship in the local church context. Cause I feel as though coming from Bible school and seminary, I was just given this gift of learning from people who have done local church ministry and discipleship for a very long time. And it's like, they gave me a toolbox right. in school. And it's like, it's like, I looked up and all these people are like, well, how do we do this? And I'm like, there's a tool for that. And then I realized like, we can just share the toolbox. Like we can just give other people the tools to do discipleship. And so I put together this course on discipleship with so many friends and mentors and Bible teachers like Jen Wilkin and Melissa Kruger and Hunter Bielis of Journey Women. Um, just so many sweet women. Um, and it's all about discipleship. So it's called Daily Disciple Making. And it has been so encouraging to hear women talk about how they are applying this in their local church context. Like I knew that I wanted to, those that were asking me questions about discipleship, I knew I wanted to answer their questions. And so I thought maybe a course will help people answer these questions. But I had no idea how the Lord was going to use this course. So it's been really cool to hear about churches starting discipleship ministries for the very first time and um, women saying yes to discipleship relationships for the very first time because they feel empowered to do so. So it's just been such a joy to watch daily disciple making be um, used in local church contexts as women study these things. Yeah. 
it is really cool. And I, I, like I said, I've been really enjoying the course so far. Um, I've gotten through several of the modules and it's been a real gift to kind of just have something to engage with. Like, you know how some material can feel familiar and then other stuff will just spark questions that you have and stuff you want to think through. And so I've really appreciated, especially the kind of the thought questions that you have at the end of each module where you're really considering how to apply this you know, conversation to yourself and what does that look like in your own life? Um, and I loved, like, I, I think, I don't know if you were there. I, somebody told me that you were at the, um, TGC women's training network in Charlotte and I, mm-hmm. I loved being there. Were you there? I was there. Yes. Oh my gosh. I wish we would have met in person. So oh, that would have been so fun. We'll have to do it sometime. That'd be so great. I would love that. But yeah, actually somebody messaged me and was like, Amy Gannett's there. And I told her you're there, but I'm like, she doesn't know who I am. I'm not going to go hunt her down. So. No, of course I knew who you are. I just, I didn't know you were there. So that would have just been so, so fun. That's fun. Well, oh, I was just going to say that like an event or a a conference or a women's training network, that's so great because you get to like take in a whole bunch of information at once and then you want to go implement it. But it's, it's courses and, and sometimes just things on your own that really help you to just sit down, take some time to think about what does this look like in a practical application kind of a situation and and how am I going to use this in my life? So I'm super grateful, Amy, and I'm tell us what is discipleship and or disciple making? How how can we best understand those terms? Yeah. Well, discipleship and disciple making, I think we could essentially say are the same things, but in the course I decided to use the term disciple making because I think, well, for two reasons. One, I think the term discipleship is a word that we use a lot in the church. And so sometimes we use it so much that we forget what it means. We forget what it is. It kind of becomes a little bit of a numbing agent and we forget what we're actually talking about. Sort of like the word gospel or the word grace. You know, I don't know if you've been in a church where we have gospel communities and there's gospel giving and there's gospel worship and we want to be gospel centered and have gospel centered preaching and all of that. And then we forget what the actual gospel is. We forget what we're talking about. We kind of use it as an adjective instead of a noun. But so discipleship can kind of be like that. We can be so familiar with it, in fact, that we forget what it actually is. And so when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the Great Commission in Matthew, we see Jesus send his followers out. He sends his friends out into the whole world, to their local communities, to beyond their local communities and to the ends of the earth and tells them to make disciples. And so I love the idea of using that language because it kind of regrips us. Um, Because when we hear disciple making, we all of a sudden go, wait, what is that? And it sort of reminds us that the call of discipleship is the call on every Christian life. And that is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We are to point people to the person of Jesus Christ, not only in salvation, not only in, um, affirming to them and exemplifying to them and testifying to them that there is justification in Christ alone. We have no righteousness of our own um, to bring before God, but we are only made righteous in Christ. That's justification. But also now God calls us into this lifelong pursuit of being made like Christ. That's the process of sanctification. And so God imparts to us the righteousness of Christ at salvation, but then invites us to mirror his character. And that is sanctification. And the life of discipleship is one marked by sanctification in which we grow in Christ-likeness. Um, Christ makes us righteous at salvation and then 
as a response, sort of like Paul says in the book, his letter to the Philippian church, he says in chapter three, he says, you know, if anybody could have considered themselves righteous, it would have been me. Right. Like according to the law, I could, you know, he gives this whole um, litany. He basically lists his pedigree. I'm a Jew of the Jews. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, da, da, da. But then he said, but now I press on towards the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And he's talking about pursuing Christ-likeness. And so that's the life of the of discipleship, saying Christ has given me his righteousness, and now I want to be like him. I want to be righteous, live righteously, have righteous thoughts, have a heart after God's heart. Um, so that's the life of discipleship. And disciple-making is the call on every Christian life then to invite other people into this. So we're both pursuing Christ-likeness and inviting others into it, whether they're coming to faith um, initially, but specifically when we talk about disciple making, we want people to come to faith and then grow up in Christ. Um, and so I think the best way to use those terms is as a verb. We are making disciples because that's how Christ commanded us. And so we can also use the term disciple maker as a noun to identify what it means to be a believer, a follower of Jesus, is to be a disciple maker. Love that. Thank you so much. So for someone who might be cons- still a little bit confused maybe by the term. Um, is it the same thing as mentoring or how is that similar or different from mentoring? Yeah, I would say that mentoring is one of the tools in the disciple-making toolbox. Yeah. So I would say there's definitely some overlap, but I think mentoring can include a lot of other things too. So um, my one of my good friends, Christy, was sharing with me a story. She shares this actually in Daily Disciple-Making, um, Module 6 with um, Christy Anya Boyle, she talks about um, building a discipleship community. And she shares a story about how she asked a woman to disciple her. Mm-hmm. And this woman said, oh, no, I couldn't do that. You're the pastor's wife. I have nothing to teach you. <laughs> and um, then she she says, well, I noticed that you have really mature sons who I admire the way you raise them. And I now have a young son what would you think about my son and I coming over for lunch every other week? And the woman was like, of course, you know, yeah, of, course. <laughs> of course. And so Christy was like, so I, <laughs> I was able to be mentored by her because she just shared her life with me. And I would say that that is mentorship. It's a part of discipleship is sharing our life with people um, and espe- especially helping people grow in specific ways. So I think we can have, per- you know, parenting mentors. We can have mentors in Bible study if we approach somebody and say, hey, I really admire how um, you speak such truth with boldness when you're talking with those who don't yet know the Lord. Would you mind if I came over and sat on your living room floor and folded laundry with you and asked you about that? Can I pick your brain about how you grew in that and that sort of thing? So I think mentorship can be sort of helping people understand different specific topics. And it's one of the facets of discipleship, I think, one of the facets that God uses to make us more like Christ. It's maybe just a bit more specific because when we talk about disciple making, we definitely want to talk about studying the word and being in the scriptures together and um, even just helping people. We want to talk about teaching people the scriptures and growing people in discernment, all of these different things. So uh, mentorship is definitely a part of it, but I just wouldn't say it encapsulates the whole. Right. That's so helpful. And I was. It actually made me think of a quote that I had written down a while back from Susan Hunt at a, I don't know, I don't remember what it was at, like a PCA thing where she was talking to women about like a Titus II culture or something like yeah. that. And she just said, you know, we have to share the gospel and our lives in order for 
biblical discipleship really to be cultivated. Um, Mm. So I love that story about Christy because that's such a, you know, kind of a landmark thing where you just kind of think like, oh, I can't do do anything for you. You're the pastor's (laughs) wife. No, the pastor's wife is a person who needs to be cared for and mentored. And we we each in our different roles, in our different seasons, we're going to need the other members of the church to share their lives with us in order for this to work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's kind of one of those misconceptions about what discipleship is. Do you have some others that you've identified uh, or misunderstandings about discipleship and, and how can we clear those up scripturally? Yeah, I think you've touched on one of them, but I, I've noticed that one of the things that often an, a frequent misconception about discipleship is that the only people who are fit to make disciples are those who are like professional Christians. So they're the Bible teachers and they're the, those who have gone through seminary and they're the pastor um, or the pastor's wife. Like we want to put people on a pedestal and say, well, you do the discipleship because it's either you know, you're trained in it um, and I can't do it because I'm not trained in it or because it's your job. And so therefore it's not my job. And I just think when we look at scripture, we look at the great commission in which God Christ sends out all of his disciples to make disciples. I think that that is the call for every believer. And so we want to really embrace the call of Christian living as one um, who personally makes disciples. And I that's not going to look the same in every season. We can talk about the different ways that discipleship looks, but in every season of life, we should be considering how the Lord is calling us to make disciples. Mm. Um, it is something for us to pursue as obedient children of a loving father. And so I don't say that to be harsh because I'm sure there are young moms listening who are like, I can't even get a shower in how am I supposed to pursue right. making disciples? Um, and I think the Lord has different things for different seasons. I do think raising children is making disciples for the record. I think that that is a huge part of the call Absolutely. of the Christian life for, for both mothers and fathers. Um, but I do think in every season we need to be considering how the Lord would use us to bring others into his kingdom and to grow them up in Christ and to be discipled um, ourselves. It doesn't have to look like formal training or a formal discipleship relationship, but we need to be pursuing these things. I think one other misconception that I've seen, and I see this particularly in my own generation, I see it in my own heart even, is this desire to be discipled um, and to, to really be keenly aware. One of, one of the wonderful things about being a millennial, um, and I am not, I don't look down on millennials. I know a lot of people talk negatively about millennials. No, I'm sure yeah. we have our flaws, but I am really proud to be a millennial. We're a really um, innovative generation, and I think, I think it's just really fun. I like a lot of things about our generation, but I think one of our blind spots is that one of our strengths that has like a correlating blind spot is our strength is we're very self-aware. And so we're keenly aware of what we need. And so it's easy for us to approach the local church and say, I really need a mom who's beyond me to mentor me. I really need a Bible study that's going to teach me the word. Um, So that's a real strength, but the correlating weakness is then we are not asking ourselves, how is the Lord using me to bring those up who are coming, who's coming up behind me? Who is, who can the Lord use 
um, in whose life might the Lord use me to train them in Christ-likeness, even with all of my flaws, even with all of my weaknesses, even just with my human traits and inadequacies, how mm. who might the Lord call me to disciple? And so we want to be people who are eager for discipleship. And I think millennials, my generation really gets that, really eagerly craves that. And that's a God-honoring thing. But we also want to be people who say, how could the Lord use me to make disciples? Because that's a big part of the Christian life. Yeah. For sure. That is really a good thing to consider. And I think it is tempting, especially if you're, um, I've, I've noticed that a lot among young moms are just like, where's the person for me? And then they kind of feel like, well, I have nothing to give because I'm maxed out or I've, you know, I, I'm so, uh, maybe I'm feeling like a failure or something like that, like you said. And, and it's that God uses his people in his, in the church in each other's lives. And it's not, yeah. it's not really about us having it all together or anything like that. Um, Absolutely. I've noticed, I've noticed a, a couple of trends, one of which is that um, people feel like they can't be disciple makers because they don't know how to teach the Bible. Is discipleship directly linked to Bible study or Bible teaching? And how does the word play a role in this for us? I mean, I feel like this is a painfully obvious thing, but um, what kind of thoughts do you have on on that subject? Yeah, I do think Bible study and Bible teaching is a really key component of discipleship, but maybe not in the ways we've always thought about it. Um, In a lot of our minds, even in my mind, (laughs) as somebody who's been through Bible school and seminary, I think there is definitely somebody who can do this better than me. (laughs) There's got to be somebody who's more equipped for this. Um, And so I know a lot of us always think there has to be somebody who is more capable um, at studying and teaching others the Word of God. And that is likely the case for all of us. There's probably somebody always who's going to know more answers or know more about the Old and New Testament and the connections, you know, therein. But the Lord has called each of us to be students of the Word. Melissa Kruger reminded me of this in the Daily Disciple Making course, that when the scriptures talk about pursuing a relationship with God, it talks about seeking the Lord. Um, And what it's not saying is that we just need to memorize a bunch of scripture or we just need to um, have a number, certain number of hours each week studying the scripture, but to seek the Lord and to live. And so we want to develop a habit of being God seekers and we find his self-revelation in his word. So we want to foster a delight in his word, a craving for his word. We want to whet our appetite and Um, stoke our appetite for the Word of God. And so Bible study and teaching is hugely important as we seek the Lord, as we grow up in Christlikeness, because who are we becoming like? Christ. And how do we know what he is like in his word? That is where he has chosen to reveal himself. And so we need to be students of the Bible. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that we necessarily need to be Bible school students. It just means that we need to sit ourselves under the teaching um, of the word. We need to set ourselves regularly in front of the scriptures to be conformed to them. Um, I'm going to pull out my Bible really quick. I've got it sitting right here next to me. Um, I have been in the book of first Timothy for the last, um, couple of days and have just been eating it up. I mean, there's just so many, um, sweet things in here, but there was something that I noticed in chapter one that I don't think I've ever noticed before when Paul is talking about his own calling to minister to others. And we have to remember that Paul is writing to Timothy, um, who is his um, 
sort of, he's mentoring him in ministry in particular. So it's right. really interesting in this conversation about discipleship to think about Paul writing to somebody he is discipling. And he says this in verse one or in chapter one, um, in verse 14, he's talking about how he was like, you know, he used to persecute the church, how he was opposed to the things of God. And in verse 14, he says, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This faithful saying is worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. So Paul is writing to his, um, son in the faith, somebody he's discipling and saying, listen, I don't have it all together. You know, I am the chief of sinners. This is a famous line of Paul's. He's saying, I know that of all people, I have inadequacies that run very deep, but that is why Jesus came. You know, and so Paul is basically expressing in a really concise way. He knows his sin, the gravity of his sin, and he knows the gravity of his salvation in Christ. So he starts there. And then in 16, he says, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy. This is the reason that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So Paul is saying, God saved me in this incredibly radical way. God saved me, you know, from being the chief of sinners to being brought into the fullness of sonship in Christ. And the reason that God showed him this mercy is so that he would be a representation of God's long suffering nature, that he would be, that Paul himself would be a pattern um, to those who are going to believe in God, that Paul is being set up. The role of being in ministry is being set up personally as an example, as a bright shining arrow to our need for Christ. And so there isn't so much of a sense that, um, we have to have it all together, that we have to have all the answers, theological answers to people in Bible study and Bible teaching. We don't have to be postured. Paul is saying my own life is an example of God's long suffering yeah. with his children. I just think that really struck me. Um, I don't think I noticed those verses in that way. And so we want to be people who love the word, who have experienced the gospel, who embrace that call and just set our lives up as examples. And so I think just saying, you know, here's something I was reading in the word recently. What do you think about this? Um, is a great place to start. It may not seem like Bible teaching, but it's Bible coaching. It's like bringing other people into the conversation about the word. Um, I also think that when we talk about Bible study, one of the main things that intimidates people is what happens if I get a question that I'm not going to know the answer to? Yeah. And I think we model humility as we say, I don't know the answer to that, but I know we're going to find the answer in the pages of scripture. So Either I'll look into that and then next week let's talk about it again. Or why don't we both look into that? Where do we think we could find an answer? Where would we start finding an answer to this question? I think we model that seeking after God for people, even in times where we don't feel like we know the answer. That is so good and so rich. Thank you so much for, for laying that all out for us. What a gift. Um, I appreciate that so much, Amy. Thank you.
I'm glad. Thanks for letting me share my quiet time. Oh, <laughs> I like, love it. No, I love it. I'm like really jazzed about First Timothy right now. And, you know, not that my husband's tired of hearing about it, but I think my husband and my new neighbors have all heard about First Timothy in the last three days. So thanks for being another outlet for me to talk about <laughs> Anytime, I'm so, like obsessing <laughs> over right now. <laughs> Anytime. That's so great. I'm I'm wading through just sections of First Corinthians right now. And like you were saying, like something jumped out at you. I've been having the same thing happen. Like how many times have I read this? book and I just had this thing pop off the page at me and just kind of speak to a thing that I was thinking about and that's always such an amazing experience it really is a great testimony to the fact that the word is actually living and active it is it is and I had a sim I don't remember who said this um it's it's a famous theologian maybe Calvin or Luther you know one of the greats said um of the bible that it is shallow enough for a child to play in, but deep enough that the brightest scholar will never plumb its depths. Wow. And I think that's so true. Like we can play on its shores and feel really safe. We can wade in and ask our questions, but you know, the brightest scholars who study the Bible over and over are still surprised by stuff in it. I love listening to N.T. Wright teach the scriptures. He's probably one, he's probably the leading New Testament scholar alive today. And he often says, you know, the, just the other day I was listening to a teach on a passage and Paul says, he's reading a passage and Paul says, and of course you know this. And N.T. Wright takes off his glasses and says, no, Paul, we don't know this. Right. He was like so surprised <laughs> that Paul assumed that the audience knew something or that we mm. modern listeners knew something. I think if N.T. Wright can still be surprised by Paul, then yes, it is so deep that we're not going to plummet stuff. Right. So good. I love that. So a lot of Christians that I know are really, when we get into talking about this, they, they really struggle with why discipleship matters so much and how to make it work on a practical level. And I, and I don't mean that why discipleship matters in that they think, um, you know, nobody actually needs discipleship, but it's like, well, I don't know how to make it work. So maybe I can just kind of put it on the back burner. Um, mm-hmm. Without making you go into every possible detail, can you just lay out for us some of the responsibilities of disciplers and maybe for us some of the kind of responsibilities that those of us who are being discipled might have? Mm. Well, I think um, as disciplers, as those being discipled, one of the things that we have the responsibility to do is to pursue Christ likeness. And to desire it um, in a way that is active and participatory. I think a lot of us say, do I want to grow in Christ-likeness? Of course I do. But what we really, deep down, if we were just really honest with ourselves, what we want is to meet once a week with somebody or every two weeks with somebody and for them to make us more like Christ. <laughs> like right. we want just that habit to produce in us the fruit of the spirit, which I'll be honest, sometimes just starting with the habit is going to produce the fruit of the spirit. It's going to produce righteousness. Um, There's an elder at our church that talks about um, spiritual disciplines as just habits that lead to maturity, habits that lead to maturity. And just getting together with somebody is a habit that leads to maturity. But we have to be people who say, I want to be discipled. I desire Christ-likeness. And if we don't, we need to ask God to foster in our hearts a deep realization of the ways that we lack Christ-likeness 
and a deep desire to be like him. And he's going to do that by drawing us near to himself because the closer we are to Christ, the more we will desire to be like him. The more we're with him, the more we desire to be like him and mirror his character. And so we need to ask God to do that. Um, But that comes kind of with a twofold response. One, we need to be initiating um, means of our own Um, sanctification in a way. So as God prompts us and says, you need to grow in loving my word. You need to grow in studying the scriptures. We need to be people who set the alarm a few minutes early. We need to be people who pick up our Bibles or who say, you know, I can't do this right now. Or I can't do this, read this book of the Bible right now because I have so many questions. We need to pick up a resource or ask somebody, would you walk through this book with me? Let's be initiators and not just say, well, I have all these questions, but um, I don't know where to start. Let's let's think about pursuing these things because Christ is calling me to them. Um, and I don't say that to lay a burden on anybody who's saying I can barely, you know, keep my um, you know self together in twenty four hours because I have so much going on. I I really do sympathize with that. I really really do. But we do want to be people that, in whatever situation we are in, to whatever degree Christ calls us. We want to be initiators of discipleship relationships, um, of being discipled. Um, So I think we need to be initiators, and that comes with some sacrifice. We need to be willing to sacrifice time and energy and maybe um, driving time. If somebody says, yes, I can disciple you, but um, in this season where I have little kids, I need you to come over and let's do it in my living room during nap time. We want to be people who don't say, well, I was really looking for somebody to meet me at the Starbucks on the corner next to my apartment. And I could do it on that one morning that I have off every week. Like we need to be people who make the sacrifice and take the initiative to pursue these things. Um, So I would say it comes with the sacrifice of initiation um, as Christ calls. So that's going to look different for everybody as Christ calls in different seasons. Um, We want to be willing to do that. But also I think we want to be people who are creative, who say, um, you know, Christ is calling me to these things and maybe it's not going to look exactly like I thought it was going to look. Maybe it's just somebody who can meet with me occasionally. Maybe it's just somebody who can meet with me while they fold laundry on their living room floor and the baby takes a nap. Let's be creative and let's find ways um, to meet with people who the Lord is going to use as a tool in our life to make us more like himself. So um, I would say those two things are pretty key as we in, as we consider from the outset discipleship relationships. And then within discipleship relationships, as we're being discipled, um, I really want to encourage people to just be in the Word and be asking good questions of the Word and to be lovers of the Word and um, to dive deep. Because uh, when I'm discipling someone, the last thing I want is... Um, well, I'll I'll put it this way. So there is a a teenager that I'm mentoring right now. Um, and it was sort of a mentoring relationship. You know, we started talking about sort of organizational stuff and school and, you know, that sort of thing. It's turned into a discipleship relationship because we really are studying the Bible together. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that she, um, so honors me in, are in my time and energy in this discipleship relationship, she comes having studied the word every week. Mm. You know, she's a sweet little teenager. And, you know, honestly, I didn't expect it when I encouraged her to read a chapter of Philippians every day 
um, and for us to discuss it, I honestly thought, we'll see, you know, we'll see if she's like, right. where are we again? And then, you know, right. but she really is doing it. And so I think we want to be people as we're being discipled who um, honor the investment of those who are discipling us by being in the word, because it's going to do, it's going to produce so much fruit in our discipleship relationship, but also it's just going to produce fruit in our lives as we grow in a desire to study the word of God. That is good. So related to that, what kind of goals, um, what kind of goals should we be setting for ourselves? I mean, I think you touched on so much there, but are there any goals or things that we should be guarding against in discipleship relationships? Um, I think goals are a little bit hard to talk about because when, when I at least think about goals, I think about them in pretty concrete terms. Um, but we do want to have goals, um, of growth, but sometimes they're so, (laughs) they lack that concrete nature that we so, um, desire. So how are we growing in, um, patience? How are we growing in long suffering in the likeness of Christ? How are we growing in taking up our cross daily? Those things are so, um, in concrete, but one of the things that I find to be really helpful is to do sort of regular check-ins and think, um, how have I grown in this in the last month? How is God growing me in, you know, maybe in the last year or something like that? Because that's when we really see the power of the Holy Spirit as he transforms us more and more into his likeness. Um, when we look back, um, or if we're in a similar situation to one we've been in before and we say, oh, I actually made a different decision this time. I actually am growing. So mm. sometimes those sorts of check-ins are really helpful because our goal is to be like Christ. Our goal is Christ's likeness. And so we just want to hold that goal in front of us. It's not Christ's likeness is, um, it, our sanctification is not an abstract, abstract concept. It's not an ethereal mindset. It's, no. it's a person, it's Jesus Christ. And so we want to put him in front of ourselves by his word, uh, by listening to the spirit, we want to put Jesus Christ in front of us and say, you are my goal, both in worship and adoration and in likeness. I want my character to reflect yours. Um, and so some of those goals, they just don't have that kind of concrete um, nature to it. Sort of like if you were thinking about a workout, you know, it, we can say, I want to lose five pounds. I want to gain 10 pounds of muscle, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's just less concrete than that. But I think in a similar way to working out, in a similar way to exercise, um, even though the goal is less concrete, you know, it feels a little bit less, um, you know, our our progress can sometimes feel intangible. We take some really tangible steps towards um, Christ-likeness. And those are the, what the church historically has referred to as the spiritual discipline. So we read the word, we spend time in prayer. Um, I know a lot of people who say, I want to grow in prayer because I can pray for five minutes. I feel like I'm out of things to say. Well, it's Mm. sort of like a muscle. We grow it. We work it. We um, practice it. We um, exercise that muscle of prayer by enduring and persisting. And so we can actually grow in some of these ways through um, discipline and in the things that we see God's word call us to. Um, I think you asked about guarding anything we should guard against in discipleship relationships. Yeah. I think it's a really smart question. Um, And I do think we actually have, you know, I do think there are some really serious things we want to guard against. One is, um, and this is both when you're discipling someone, but also when you're being discipled, 
we want to make sure that the goal of our discipleship is Christ and not a person. We're not mm-hmm. being discipled by someone to become like them. And we are not discipling someone else to make them like us. We right. are all pursuing the person of our salvation. And that is Jesus Christ. Um, and that alone, that concept alone, if we can get that right, we're actually going to save ourselves a world of headache and a world of other vices in discipleship relationship. Um, because we're going to, um, resist codependency because I know it's not this person discipling me. That's making me like Christ. I know it's the spirit of God. And so I'm not reliant on them. If they can't meet this week, my week doesn't fall apart because the spirit never leaves me, you know? So I think we just avoid a whole bunch of pitfalls when we keep that squarely in our minds as, as we think about pursuing Christ likeness and the Lord bringing others alongside us in this race that we're running, somebody to come alongside us and push us on towards the goal of Christlikeness instead of turning and seeing this person um, as the goal. I think we need to guard against that. I, I think in particular, women need to guard against that um, mm. because we um, are, um, the Lord has made this to be nurturing and the Lord's made men to be nurturing too. Um, I'm just speaking specifically to my experience in women's circles that um, women are nurturing and we love to nurture others. And so we're very quick. Many of us are very quick to take others under our wing and to want to fix the problem. And if somebody's going through a hard time, we want to alleviate that burden. We like to be the solution when there's a problem. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe all of this is just me, but no, no, we, it's not. <laughs> um, otherwise this is like my confessional. It's like, I'm listening nope. to all of the things that I'm really bad at. No, I'm just, I'm just sitting here like convicted, convicted, convicted. Yeah. Keep going. (laughs) You know, we so badly want these things. And then we also are people who, when we are, when we run up against our limitations, when we've come to the end of ourselves, we are really find ourselves desiring deep friendship. And so Mm. these are two things that the Lord has gifted women with, which are a gift from God, our desire for deep connection with others, our desire to help others and nurture others. But if you put those two together in um, the wrong combination, we can become codependent. We can look to one person for our discipleship. We can be the savior for somebody in a disciple-making relationship. And that's just not how God has arranged it. And so as we keep Christ um, as the goal of our discipleship, as the goal of our formation, then we're going to save ourselves a world of hurt because we know that it's not this person who's making me in their image. It's God doing the work and God's using this person. And the people that I'm discipling, I know I don't have to make them in my image, but God is making them in his image and I'm just being used by him. So it saves us a world of hurt in that way. Yeah, that's so good. I, I especially appreciate remembering or being reminded rather that um, this isn't a checklist kind of a procedure thing where it's like, okay, let's make sure we did these things or let's make sure you're growing in these areas and that kind of stuff. And, And just thinking about sanctification, just taking the long view with it. And when you think about discipleship being like walking alongside somebody, um, taking the long view and, and realizing that you can measure growth in the sense by looking at like, how did I respond this time versus last time? But to, 
our growth should always be measured against scripture. What is God's Mm -hmm. goal for us, you know, and not what is this person's goal? What is this person kind of setting as my goal? Um, and, and how am I imitating them? I mean, and, and and I know Paul does say things like, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, we're still, the point is imitate Christ, you know? That's exactly right. And in that scenario, like in that verse, Paul specifically sets Christ up as the litmus test, right? You know, like imitate me, sort of, he's sort of saying insofar as I imitate Christ, yes, you know? And so how would those that Paul's talking to know when Paul is imitating Christ, unless they know Christ, unless yeah. they know his ways, they know his character. And so we have to fix our eyes on, you know, the heart of the scriptures, which is the person and of Jesus Christ. Um, I think too, you also touched on something really important that, you know, um, I, I think is important to guard against um, and that is that we we want to be people who, you know, constantly go to the word and specifically to discipleship relationships with our brains turned on. We right. don't want to say, okay, now you give me all the answers. We want to test everything against the word of God, everything. You know, we want to say the word of God is my source. And so as people speak into my life, I want to test that against the word of God um, because, you know, we, we don't want to be led astray. We want to be like the Bereans. Um, that we read about in the New Testament, who tested things against the Word of God and sought out truth. And so um, we need to pe- be people who know the Word of God. Like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We want to know Christ so that we know what that looks like. We want to know the words that we know truth when we hear and we know false teaching or we know even somebody who's maybe just misguided. You know, right. false teaching sounds yeah. so strong and so intentional. But I think sometimes people just are misguided or they don't know and they might give us, you know, advice from the Word that, um, or they might give us advice that isn't from the word, um, or maybe contradicts something. I remember having a woman say to me one time, um, she, what, it wasn't a discipleship relationship. I, I was in high school and she was an older woman in my church. And she said, um, you know, God said, you know, the, or the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. And I remember being like, no, it does not. Like, it does right. not say that in the Bible, <laughs> you know, but she was so convinced because she had heard it so many times. It sounded kind of in the vein of something that the scriptures might say so right. you know she just kind of assumed and so she meant it so harmlessly but um, we do want to just be people who know our bibles and who know christ and you know approach all of these relationships with our minds turned on yeah for sure so for those of us who are maybe engaged in discipleship relationships i'm just thinking about like the stuff that i've been doing with you know a teen girl or a young adult mm-hmm. girl um I feel like, you know how you know when you have somebody talking about something and you're learning something brand new and then it pops up everywhere mm-hmm. and you're just like, it's it's like it's in your face everywhere you go. And, and it's <laughs> Such a kindness like, of God. <laughs> I know, isn't it? I really ought to be more thankful about that. But I feel like when it comes to discipleship, when I'm more aware of the hunger and the the need out there, I start to see it everywhere. And it can be so overwhelming. And I just look around and I'm like, you know, if more people would just start doing this thing or that thing, you know, (laughs) but you do want to be an encouragement to people in your local church. How can we encourage each other? Hmm. How can we encourage each other within our local churches to engage on a deep level with discipleship relationships? That's such a good question. And I think it's the heart behind the question is so, it means so much to me as a church planter, because so much of what my husband and I are doing is developing church culture. You know, so much of the work of church planting is saying, who are we going to be as a people? And so, um, 
hearing somebody ask, like, how can we encourage people, you know, in being disciple makers? Like, how can we encourage these deep discipleship relationships just warms my heart so much. It gives me so much hope for the church because as we ask these questions of how can we encourage other people to make disciples and how can we encourage each other to go deeper, that's just the culture of God's kingdom. It's just what he wants us to do. And so it just blesses me even to hear the question. Um, I think one of the ways that we can encourage others to engage on a deep level in discipleship relationships is to do what Paul did in this passage in first Timothy that I read. And that's to be the first (laughs) to be vulnerable and step forward and say, um, you know, I was learning this in my quiet time, you know, and to say it in a humble way that doesn't sound pretentious, but to say it in a way that, you know, maybe we're afraid that's going to sound pretentious, but we just need to start the conversation. Like we just need to start the conversation about the word of God and what we're learning um, to say, you know, I would love to hear your story sometime to tell, tell somebody else. I'd love to hear your story of faith sometime. Um, but if you're not ready to share it, maybe we can get together. I'll share my story and then you can share your story. Like to be willing to go first, to be the person in small group who, um, breaks the cycle of praying for, you know, my grandma's cousin's goldfish that fell down the stairs instead of having like these impersonal <laughs> prayer requests. want to share something and say, I'm struggling with this. Um, I have a prayer request and it's for my own heart. I'm struggling with this. So being the first um, to step out in vulnerability and faith in that way is, I think, one of the ways that we can encourage others in doing it. Um, You know, Paul puts himself up as an example and it's not in the glamorous ways. His first example is, I'm the chief of sinners. He's like, here all the ways. He actually lists them. You know, he actually is like, I was formerly a blasphemer. I persecuted the church. I was an insolent man, but God showed me mercy. Um, And so I think as we allow ourselves to be used by God in that way, others are going to see it and be encouraged and empowered to follow suit. Thank you, Amy. This has been such an edifying conversation. I've loved it. And I'm so excited to share this with our listeners. I really am praying just over this whole conversation that the Lord will use it to just spark interest and um, excitement about discipling and being discipled. This is such a gift. Thank you again. Mm, Absolutely. Such a joy. So one last question I ask every guest, is there something that the Lord has been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with him? Hmm. Um, I had a friend recently share with me as we, as we relocated for church planting. Um, and she read, she's actually the one that got me into first Timothy. Cause she said, I was reading this in first Timothy and it just made me think of you in Austin, my husband. Um, she said, it made me think of you guys as you set out into church planting and it's Paul's exhortation to Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus. And it's in the center of all these verses that talk about doctrinal soundness and the uh, um, effectiveness of the word. You know, it's, the, it's in the midst of all of these verses in chapter two that talks about what the word is good for, um, what it's useful for, and how we should pursue sound doctrine and how people will not want sound doctrine. And what is his encouragement to Timothy is to be strong in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus. And so that strength and grace is such a juxtaposition. Um, and it's something that I feel so blessed by because I think so often as a church planter, I feel the need to be strong for my group, to have faith when people lack faith, to trust God when people are anxious, um, you know, to kind of lead in this way that 
um, maybe makes me feel like I always have to be strong. But she reminded me that God has called us as ministers of the gospel to be strong in his grace. And his grace just never wears out. It never runs out. And when I think I don't have the grace to have, you know, this conversation again, or I don't have the grace um, to make that phone call or, you know, whatever it is, like whatever logistical thing that, you know, we're dealing with so many, of so many of the things that are trying my patients these days are, you know, as we move into our house, we're dealing with like all these logistical things like setting up internet and you can just get so frustrated with like vendors. And, you know, I just was like, Oh, it just feels like everything's falling apart, but we, we're not just called to be strong, but strong in grace and God's grace just never runs out. So that mm. has been such edification to my soul because it means it doesn't have to come from me. It means that I don't have to continue refilling my own cup, but God is going to fill my cup up with his grace. And that means there's just an abundance to go around. Amen. I love it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. My joy. I just love talking about these things. So thanks so much for asking great questions and talking about discipleship with me. Oh, well, that's it's so great to have you here again. Thank you very much. And the Lord bless you as you continue on in this work. So tell us, how can people sign up for your discipleship course? Yeah, just the just daily disciple making is available on my website, which is amygannett.com. Um, and there's a link there that'll take you to the classroom platform that I use. Um, and you can enroll and the course will be available for the next um, two years at a minimum. Um, that's kind of what our goal is right now to see how the Lord uses this over the next two years. But you can enroll. You have access to the course for up to a year after enrolling. So you can go at your own pace. You can. Um, there's 10 total modules. So you can um, listen to one module. And like you said, the real fruit of the course, I think, in people's personal lives is going to be working through those questions for reflection in the disciple makers field guide. And so I think people could work through them and just take their time. People can blaze through it in 10 weeks if they want to, but they can also just kind of sit and savor and let the Lord um, do sort of a longer work if that's what they want to do. So um, yeah, amygannett.com and um, it'll be available at least for the next two years. Excellent. Thank you so much again for joining me, Amy, and God bless you. Thank you so much. 